first, when we talk about the future, let's not forget that we're not talking about prediction, right? The important thing about the future is not prediction. That's actually quite hard to do, but is to be better prepared. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're here. And people have a good sense of the future. They win. Right? I call this the future mindset. I'll talk about that in the next couple of sessions as well, because obviously we're going to have several sessions together. So the future is arriving faster than we thought. It's leaping, basically exponentially, 4, 8, 16. And we are at the takeoff point of that future. And we are arriving at a point where it's safe to say the future is already here. 2050 is already peaking at us. We have electric vehicles, self-driving cars. We have a whole new economy of mobility, multimodal transport already today. Think about that by 2050. The total reality of all the magnitude of the services will be absolutely astounding. And it will all be carbon neutral as well. And we're going to see a new economy of food and agriculture, what we eat, how we eat. We're going to see, of course, cultured meat, vertical farming. Innovation there is huge, and that is going to change the way that we live, providing longer longevity, of course. And looking at all the issues of, for example, how we uh, create energy will be solved by then. Climate change will be tackled in the next couple of years and possibly even rolled back by 2040 using solar energy, next generation nuclear we're going to work together in virtual environments and, and the metaverse and augmented reality and virtual reality in holograms. Again, that's already here, but it's not really working that well. Give it 10 years, it'll be just totally normal, like making a cheap phone call or a free phone call on your mobile device. And every surface will be a computer right? and we're going to be connected at all times in multiple different ways. And water, of course, has a central function in all of this. It is the engine of GDP to have access to water. Now more people have access uh, to mobile devices than, than to water in some countries still. And that needs to change. And we're looking at a future where the meaning of impossible has kind of gone away. Right Now it's possible to do entirely new things, to grow things in the desert. Imagine that by 2050, to create a green planet, right? a sustainable planet, a connected planet, a happy planet. Right? That would, of course, be the mission, ultimately, to work on that coming together. I always say the future is better than we think. And we have developed a kind of a dark view of the future in the last couple of years. That really needs to change. And you know, let's change the narrative of Hollywood where everything is dystopian and the robots come and take our work and then they harvest our bodies for energy. Right? The future can be great if we make it so. This is a question of decisions, of policy, of collaboration. Clearly, in this world, right, our world will change more in the next 25 years than the previous 250 years. That's because of technological progress, of our need to collaborate, of the possibilities to create what I call a good future. Um, I made a film about this, I'll talk about that later, but basically the good future is of course an objective we want. We want to live in a world where we can connect, where we are happy, where we have the right to work, the right to uh, unfold, to self-realize, the right for family, and all the choices that we want to make. The good future is entirely possible, we just have to make the right decisions today. And the good future is also it's, it's important to think of the future as being good or, or possibly being good because as Barbara Hubbard said, famous future is as you see the future, so you act and as you act, so you become. In many ways, that's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If we think it's impossible, then we'll sort of, you know, 
prevent ourselves from inventing things. And this is really important that we keep a positive view of the future, as for example we're going to see in spacefaring. We're clearly going to go to other planets. It's not impossible. It is happening and it will be happening before 2050 in a, in a large way that's going to really make a difference to all of us. So we've had these previous revolutions, the industrial revolution, the agricultural revolution. Now we have three more at the same time. Right? The digital revolution, the sustainability revolution, where everything is about being green and being sustainable and carbon neutral, and ultimately, of course, the human revolution, which means that we can change who we are, we can change the genome, we can adapt to uh, different climates, we can do different things that, we, that are impossible today. Of course, that's a huge topic of how exactly we can do that and who will be in charge with genetic engineering and how humans will change and all these issues. But it's quite clear by 2050, the average person that is a child today uh, will have a lifespan of 100 years. The average person, and many will have a lifespan of 110, 120 years. Right? So that is all happening. That revolution is right in front of us, changing the way that we look at things, changing technology and biology's convergence of basically a medical and biology, life science and healthcare, that is going to be everywhere. I mean, just as an example, the, the whole economy of the medical industry and the digital online healthcare industry will explode. I mean, it's, uh, it's subject to double market size by 2030. But uh, yeah, we're going to see mind-boggling changes here and new opportunities absolutely everywhere. We're going to be able to see the world in new ways using technology. We will not use computers when we type you know, on, a, on an app or on a screen. Everything can be a computer. Uh, we're going to see a world where that is clearly virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, holograms, already here, too expensive, too hard to use. Ten years, the new normal, and by 2050, just a part of what we do by default, including things like augmented reality working places and all that. That's already all peaking over the horizon. We have to be very open for this, but we should not move into the future uh, based on just saying, well, whatever is possible, we'll do. We also have to make sure that it works for us and that it's sustainable, humanly sustainable. Right? So virtuality, virtual worlds and real worlds are combining. And we're going to see a lot more digital twins and working together remotely. As you can see here, this is a power plant, a water plant, actually, uh, that is using uh, the digital twin concept. Uh, to connect and save costs. That's going to obviously be a revolution in how we work together across borders, across countries and globally. Uh, many security issues on this, of course, as well. But uh, we often use this symbol here uh, among futurists, the digital transformer. You know, basically all of the old uh, industries and uh, societal uh, sectors are moving into the transformation phase. Smart energy, smart farming, smart city, smart home, all that is becoming totally real and it's becoming something that is a process of roughly $150 trillion value shift. Much of that has to do also with the possibility of decentralization and uh, working on things together uh, without being centralized. And of course, a decentralized water system is really what's coming as well. That goes for energy, uh, decentralized energy and intergrid, as some people call it. Um, that goes for everything that we're inventing. And the blockchain and associated factors like AI will be a big driver of this and we have to look in this direction for major shifts and major profitability shifts and also of course possibility of, of saving energy. 
So connected, smart, distributed, sustainable, circular, that is a new normal. And in many ways, we're moving into a new way of looking at that future where we're no longer resource bound like natural resources as we have been so far, but imagination bound as C.K. Prahalad says, a famous Indian philosopher. We're no longer bound for resource as companies or as countries, but looking at imagination. This is really what we should be teaching ourselves and our kids. Imagination is more important than knowledge, as Einstein already said. I mentioned yesterday that I made a film last year called The Good Future because I wanted to show that the good future is actually possible in the middle of the COVID crisis in Lanzarote, Canary Islands. We talked about what it will take to create a good future and what is good, right? Work, job, jobs, freedom, family, right? The things that we consider good and how do we make that happen? And it came to me in the film that we're really looking at a fundamental shift as to what the target is, the telos, the purpose, right? Um, and which way we are going into that future, right? To figure out exactly how the economic logic works around us. We have to go away from the very simple pro uh, idea of people uh, planted profit to a larger story, purpose and prosperity, and shifting that around a little bit, which I'll talk a lot more in a, at a later time. But looking at why we do this, clearly, uh, we have achieved tremendous growth in uh, capital, in financial capital, and some human capital as well. But the natural capital is completely declining. We're looking at a dystopian scenario if we don't change this, where we're going to have more people with more money, but a, uh, essentially a collapsing system collapse in a, on the planetarian level. And a lot of people around the world are extremely worried. If you're looking at this chart here, uh, all of the kids around the world, 16 to 25, are quite desperate about where that is taking us. And just to zoom in a little bit, right? People have failed to care for the planet. The future is frightening. The family security is threatened. 73%, according to Pew, of all the people asked around the world have a negative view of the future. That needs to change, and I think it really needs to uh, also reflect on the fact that I think business as usual is dead. Right? The way that we used to do things, whether it's the stock market, whether it's energy, whether it's food, whether the, how we look at water, right? that needs to change to take us to a good future. And, and it's quite clear also because of the COVID crisis and because of the pandemic and now the inflation and of course the war in Russia, uh, Ukraine, the whole topic of how we collaborate, how we make things happening, Business as usual is dead. We have to reinvent pretty much everything that we do, whether it is banking or energy or water and food. Right? And clearly here we see the facts behind this, you know, livestock and food is some 18% of global CO2. And we have managed in the last 25 years, by the way, to increase CO2 by 50% in 25 years. Right? So this is heading towards an impossible scenario and the energy pile here, energy pie is still very much about 74% or so, oil and gas and fossil fuels. And that is changing dramatically. That is actually a huge opportunity. The shift to renewable and circular, I'm sure that's a big discussion in your country and the whole region. But uh, if we look into this future, it's clear that we have a choice between a hot planet and a red planet and a, and a blue planet and a planet that we really want to uh, uh, keep and, and, and flourish in. And there's sort of two polar things here, right? Uh, the intent of which way we're going. And my uh, colleague, uh, Kevin Kelly, who is also a futurist and uh, uh, the co-founder of Wired Magazine, he, sa he said we should not be optimistic because there's less problems or because they're smaller, but because our capacity to solve them is larger. 
In other words, we don't have less problems, that, that is for sure, right? But we have so much more power, scientific, technological advancement. Really what we're missing is kind of the collaborative part, you know, the, the telos, the, the wisdom to actually make this happen. Here's a couple of facts that kind of show you what's happening uh, as technology is leading to exponential cost reduction in pretty much all sectors, whether it's LEDs or energy storage. Uh, and that, of course, bodes well for all of us. Nuclear energy is coming back as a uh, nuclear fusion probably in the next 10, 15 years. Some people would be more optimistic about this, but we'll see. And of course, uh, trillion dollar innovation platforms that we're building that are happening. There is going to be enough money, progress, jobs, hundreds of millions of new jobs in all of these like the blockchain, energy storage, robotics, genome sequencing. It will take a lot of wisdom, however, to make sure that we keep this humanly sustainable that we can still be human, that the benefits are distributed. Like so far, for example, in social media, the benefits haven't been distributed. And that needs to change and we have to look at the larger way of how that's going to come about. And so the core of this discussion is what I call the recipe for the future. Uh, digitization, decarbonization and reformation. Quite clearly technology is everywhere, that's digitization. Uh, digital transformation of everything, decarbonizing all systems around us. That is clearly happening right now and it's a huge shift, probably the biggest shift in the next 50 years or let's say from 2020 on to 2050. And reformation means changing how we think about the world, what we want, reforming our financial logic, our stock markets. And we have to take a holistic view when we look at this. When you're looking at the water industry, it isn't just going to be about water, right? It's about agriculture, about food, about how we have enough energy. It's about pollution and the environment. It all hangs together. Take a holistic view and you'll be successful. So when we take that look at the future at digitization, there's 10 different game changes that are going to be so important for us. I'm going to zero in on just seven of them for your turf. Data is the new oil. It's all about data. And I mean, I've said this for 15 years, it's finally true, the data industry is more powerful than the oil industry. Well, you can argue they're kind of hanging together, obviously, right? And of course, the cloud and the Internet of Things, it's becoming like the new factory, the new place where we create things, the new living room also, right? Artificial intelligence is the new electricity, it's the power that connects everything. And blockchain makes that possible as well by being the new way to transact and reducing costs and increasing speed. 3D printing. Clearly the new way of manufacturing, we will not be shipping a lot of things, we'll make them on the fly, on location. That will be totally normal by 2050. And virtual reality, the new way of looking at things. And I talked about that earlier already. So in this context, it's really important that when we look at all that stuff coming in, that we protect what makes us human. In fact, I think we're going to need sort of a human protection agency you know, to make sure that we don't get lost in here, that we protect our data, our privacy, our right for mystery, the right to be forgotten, as the European Union says, right? And that we can still be human because machines are not human, we are not machines, right? To make sure that we maintain our, uh, our independence and our sovereignty as humans. So three trends are happening here at the same time. Exponential change, leaping, 4, 8, 16, 32. Convergent industries, for example, the entire energy is converging, of course, with the data and computing industry. And combinatorial products, which means things that come in together and create new products. For example, uh, what happened in cloud computing and e-commerce. The same thing is happening now with energy, creating new possibilities of cars, mobility, the intergrid, and so on. 
And it's quite obvious that we have to understand this sort of commercial explosion here uh, that we see in exponential change, you know, data, network, cloud, smart, ultimately leading to sustainable everything. And that is the final destination that we need to get to. That will probably be around 2040 or so, it's my estimation that we can make that happen. Then we can go back and actually fix what we've, uh, what we've caused before by carbon sequestration and so on. That's also a very big business unfolding and where people are already investing to get ready for that future. So as we look in this future, then basically the climate technology question is right up front here. Larry Fink, the, uh, the guy who runs BlackRock uh, funds, you know, he, he always talks about the hundred, uh, next hundred uh, unicorns will be in climate tech innovation and climate tech technology. Looking at all those points, battery storage, battery recycling, position agriculture, new ways of food, new ways of, of desalination, of course, as well, hydrogen waste components and on and on. I mean, this is all in the next 10 years. It will take 20 years to play out, but this is a huge ticket uh, to entire shift to a new way of looking at the world in a very large way, including things like vertical farming, which are vastly expensive and being trialed in different places. I think by 2050, we're going to have every major city, especially in hot countries and developing countries, have huge high rises of 100 floors where the robots are doing their work with organic farming. Uh, and also, of course, decentralized, right? <laughs> Being in the place where we needed uh, this kind of idea, impossible, we have to strike from our vocabulary. Impossible is no longer really a good word. You know, everything is possible. The question is, is it desirable? You know, and, and how do we control it and how do we make sure it's fair to everybody involved? So that brings me to an important point, as Buckminster Fuller, a famous futurist from the 70s, said, humanity is acquiring all the right technology but for the wrong reasons. And I would add, using it for the wrong reasons. So science and technology are great, but they will not just save us by existence, right? They will save us if we put it together with wisdom. As the whole world is resetting into a new way of doing things, and especially since COVID and the war, this is now a big topic, a new global geopolitics, a, a move to sustainability, the climate emergency, right? This is a very big, total reset, a reboot of pretty much every industry, there's a new paradigm coming in. And that paradigm goes beyond the traditional definition of what we want, you know, GDP, profit and growth, to a larger story, people, planet, purpose and prosperity. And I'm sure you heard about El Elkington and people, planet, profit for 20 years, but now this is a real story that's unfolding where, where we can see how that works out for us, creating new stock markets, creating new possibilities, creating new ways of working together with a larger agenda where CEOs and companies only get paid and pay dividends when all those four boxes are ticked. That is coming and look for a new stock market, uh, by the way, for that to, to support that. I call that jokingly the SUSDAC, like the NASDAQ, uh, for sustainable products and sustainable companies. So also important is the human sustainability, right? The more we connect, the more we must protect what makes us human. Technology and humanity must have a handshake and then also limitations to that handshake so that we can still be human and remain human despite the fact that we have a complete connected world. And going back just 20 years ago, you know, we had ecosystems running water, food, agriculture, banking, and of course energy, right? Uh, individual companies or countries. And now we're looking at an ecosystem, right? Every good solution today is no longer ego, but eco. So we're on this trip from ego to eco, 
right, to creating an economy that works together, that hyper-collaborates, that looks at innovative solutions together. Right? This graph kind of shows really what's happening, for example, in the car industry and, and of course in energy, uh, going away from the sort of ecosystem of transportation and energy, uh, the gasoline economy, right, towards an ecosystem, right, towards a system that collaborates, that works together, that creates entirely new possibilities. That's where the new money is. That's where everything is going to be about collaboration, multilateralism, global collaboration, a global consciousness. That, that's the only ticket for us, for humanity to reach what we want, a holistic view. Right? Uh, so when you're looking at water and this foundation, don't just look at this one turf, look at the neighboring turfs, and clearly you're doing that in this conference. So energy, agriculture, environment, that all hangs together with a larger view, we can be much more successful than taking a limited view. The speed of change right, is just mind-boggling. Yeah. Uh, and you could, look, you could spend all day looking at new things. And really what we need is to develop a future mindset, to pay attention, right? to listen. And the future mindset is not a skill, it's a personality trait. We're open to discussion, we're questioning our assumptions. We stop saying it's impossible or can't be done or it shouldn't be done. Right? We think about things together, for example, also in a holistic way of saying that we are curious and interested, right? we're taking pro-action, but we're also cautious about not doing anything stupid. The future mindset requires roughly one hour a day spent in the future. And I'm not talking about watching movies here, right? I'm talking about reading the important books, talking to people about the future. When you have a future mindset, you win. And I bet you the, the country and the, and the city and the government that has a future mindset is going to win in the global competition uh, for being a, le a leader, a thought leader in this new world. Clearly also the other thing that's happening is that machines are becoming kind of intelligent. Right? Machine learning, deep learning, AI, well that intelligence is not at all like humans. You know, it's a binary intelligence, but it's extremely powerful. And I think Stuart Russell, the AI researcher and writer, once said that it should be all about competence of these systems, not consciousness. We don't want machines to be conscious or to develop AGI, artificial general intelligence. We want them to just get the job done. And so really what's happening here is that we have this pyramid where machines are starting to do the, the jobs down here, right? Intellectual knowledge, logic, data and information. And we have to move up the pyramid towards deeper knowledge, tacit knowledge, understand. That's what we're doing here, right? To create wisdom, purpose, consciousness, human agency. Uh, a philosopher once said, I think it was a Zen Buddhist saying, where, they, uh, where it's being said that basically knowledge without wisdom is useless. And this is what we are humans, right? And this is what we have to teach our kids. And it's really about this part, not about knowing everything, but understanding things. That's going to be really important to solve large and wicked problems like water, desalination, energy, food. That's going to be needed to understand things rather than to just know numbers and, and, and follow the math, right? Uh, imagination is going to be the crucial tool, as I mentioned right in the beginning. And the other thing is a, is a kind of an ethical component as we're moving into the future that's completely connected. You know, how do we stay human? How do we stay connected? Because, you know, people want to connect in person. And that's really what we are. We're kind of in a situation where we are surrounded by technology. The game changes I mentioned earlier, AI, big data, cloud computing. But we're also going to need to come back to ourselves, to nature, 
And there's even a name for this problem called nature deficit disorder, you know, that we're, we're getting pulled out of nature because we're constantly looking at, at screens and machines and virtual reality. That is going to be really important. Nature positive investment means also coming back to nature and, and coming back to ourselves. Really important that we don't get lost in the shuffle of what technology can do because ultimately we're not machines, we're humans connecting to each other. So here are the six future principles. And I mentioned three of them in my very first section, that's exponential, uh, convergent, and, and combinatory. But now there are six of them, and here they are. So this is kind of the, the program of what we have to look for. So holistic, right? that means looking at everything around us, making sure it's beneficial for everyone. The circular economy, nothing will exist in the future without giving back right, and putting it back into a positive circle. And ultimately, of course, the human aspect. Right? human flourishing. So this is something to print out and put on your wall. These are the six future principles. That's how you're going to be successful. I think companies that do this and countries that do this and governments that do this are on the right track because it creates vast amount of benefits for everybody in the system in the six future principles. So to summarize, and uh, thanks again for being with me here for the next for the last uh, couple of days. So digitization, the three Ds, uh, digitization, decarbonization, reformation, the revolution that we're looking at, three revolutions, digital, sustainable, and the human revolution. That's all coming together. We're going to share the slides later so you can download them and have another look. So here's a couple of bullets. First, the future is decided by optimists. Be an optimist, don't be a pessimist. You know, think about the good things that we can do here and stop focusing on the things that aren't working. Uh, social media, for example, is terrible for this. You also see bad things six times as much as you see good things. Right? Pessimism of the intellect, but optimism of the mind, says Gramsci. Right? Optimism of the heart. Uh, we have to stay positive despite of all of the challenges. As I said in the beginning, the problems aren't getting less, but our capacity to solve them is hugely increasing. And that is a, a tremendous opportunity. So as we see the future, we have to look at the holistic aspect, water, agriculture, food, combining, right? Think about this together. Hyper-collaborate, don't hyper-compete with other sectors, other countries, other industries. That is the ticket to a, a budding ecosystem of, of solving issues that are on the forefront of our mind, like water and desalination. So business as usual is dead. Right? Or dying. I mean, it's, much of it is still around, right? In banking, for example, right? But it's changing dramatically. Look at the car industry. All of a sudden, we're going from making cars to making multimodal transportation systems. Right? We are to be architects of the future, not victims, said Buckminster Fuller. Take charge of your own future. Don't look for the future to be made somewhere else. The recipe of technology, clearly, it should be, as I say in my book, Technology versus Humanity, it should be awesome humans on top of amazing technology. We need both. We need STEM, science, technology, engineering, but we also need HECI, humanity, ethics, creativity, imagination. Embrace technology, but don't become it. And lastly, most importantly, your attitude contains your future. If you have a positive attitude, not naive, a forward-looking attitude, an attitude that can solve problems, question your assumptions, an attitude that the future is better than we think, you're going to make it happen. And that is really ultimately what we want, right? The positive view of the future. Your attitude contains your future. I wish you all the best. I'll see you in the future. And shukran again for listening to all my talks and my sessions. And I hope to connect with you some other time. 
Thank you and greetings from Switzerland.